0: Welcome to Thrive Through Marketing, the only organic content marketing podcast for mental wellness companies. You have a mission to impact the world, and I have a mission to help you do that, all while increasing revenue, creating a new stream of customers, and reaching people before they even know they need you. With more than a decade of experience in organic content marketing and a deep passion and respect for mental wellness, there's one thing I know for sure. When you thrive, your customers thrive. That's why I'm here to deliver strategies, ideas, insights and interviews from storytelling and analytics to practical steps and high-level vision, we cover it all. So if you're ready to leverage the power of organic content marketing, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive Through Marketing. I am here today with my first guests plural. I'm so excited for them to be here. A little um A little background, we actually worked together um, on their content strategy and content creation for like six or seven months this year. And I absolutely love what they've done with their organic community building and cultivation. And so I think this is, we know, as we've talked about on this podcast before, this is super valuable, especially for mental wellness brands, that authenticity, that community, that making sure your audience feels seen and heard. And so they're gonna share some of their magic with us today. So let's welcome Andrea Wilt and
1: Samantha Andrew. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us. You are yeah. so welcome. Thank you. I love when I love when connections that you make turn into other opportunities to share and work together. So it's so cool that we were able to, you know, partner on content. And now that we're and now we're here talking to you about community.
0: Yeah, I love it. So for listeners, um, that don't know, Andrea and Samantha co-founded Harlow, which is your all-in-one freelance management hub. It's an incredible tool. They launched, you launched back in March, was it?
1: Yep. Right at the end of March, beginning of April. Yep. Perfect. memory
0: Yeah. <laughs> and um, so before we launch into what you've done around community and, and building that, let's first start a little bit with each of you sharing your marketing background,
2: sort of what you've done and where you're coming from. Everyone. yeah, says- I'll I'll kick it off. Um, my marketing career started 20 years ago. I'm feeling very old right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in technology. And, you know, doing kind of the basic marketing manager stuff. And this was also 20 years ago when Google was just a thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. figuring out SEO was like mind blowing. Um, And I kind of worked my way through into demand generation. So one of my early jobs actually was at Salesforce. And this was a very formative um, career move for me going into Salesforce. It was 2005. They were really great about moving you around in the company. So I got to experience you know, traditional lead generation, demand gen, campaign management, marketing operations. I actually ended up moving over into their product department also and managed uh, product management for the marketing product for a while, which was really exciting. Um, left and went into freelancing, founded a software company, went back to freelancing, went back in-house, <laughs> which is actually where I met Samantha at uh, at Campaign Monitor, went back into demand gen space, actually, and then ultimately became the chief marketing officer at Campaign Monitor. And after doing that for a couple of years, um, I left, Samantha and I stayed, stayed together uh, and formed Interimly, which was a boutique consulting firm for, and, you know, uh, providing marketing services, demand gen services, and then we founded Harlow. So that's my long windy road, but um, primarily in demand generation and product management.
0: I'm excited to hear your, because I don't know your, like, sorry, Samantha. Um, I don't know either of your, like, sort of whole mm-hmm. backgrounds, but I feel like it's so funny just as you're talking, Andrea, that. I feel like so many of us marketing people have these like really extensive, like long winding backgrounds of working at like, I I'm the same way. I had six jobs in seven years. I've worked in everything from SEO to social media management to email management. Um, And so it's just kind of funny. I feel like marketers always end up wearing so many hats and working in so many different places, which is, well,
2: it's such a unique function because there are so many different aspects of it. And I feel like it's one of those functions where like being a generalist is actually kind of a good thing because Mm -hmm. you have to understand the 20 different, you know, um, parts of, of marketing.
0: Right. Yeah. Knowing how, like, that's something that I often say when I'm talking to a client is I'm like, I specialize in content marketing and content strategy, organic specifically, which I think sets me apart, but I understand the piece as a whole. Like I understand how this fits into every other piece and how it all comes together. And I think that's as a marketer, so key in being able to even manage your little piece of the pie is knowing how does that fit in with everything else that's happening around you?
2: Because it all works together. Absolutely. This is why I loved working with Samantha because she
1: totally gets that. (laughs) Awesome, I'm a jack of all trades over here. <laughs> Great. Well, tell us how you got yeah. there. Yeah. So I actually, when I first started working in marketing, um, I actually worked for a newspaper. That was my first marketing job. So I sold um, advertising in the university paper um, and helped like design those ads, which is really funny if you know me now thinking about me <laughs> designing ads because I'm not a designer. No. Um, I don't have that skill set. <laughs> um, but I started there. Um, and shortly after, I actually went into agency life. So my first job out of school was actually at an agency um, and specifically working in organic marketing and So managing a lot of Google ads, writing a lot of copy, a lot of landing pages, um, doing some very old school like link building tactics, um, a lot of that. So that gave me um, a really good foundation, I would say, some like very valuable skill sets to leverage later on in my career. Um, But from there, I actually went in-house into technology. So I worked for a project management company, actually, and ran um, their demand gen. So a small team there that was focused on content and paid marketing, um, a lot of campaigns. So webinars and programs and all of those things. Um, And then like Andrea said, where we met was actually campaign monitor. So I wore ton of different hats at campaign monitor. Um, I really kind of bounced all over the place there, which was actually really fun. Um, but I, I started there to own their paid marketing and really grow that program. We had just gotten a ton of funding and we were spending, I mean, hundreds, hundreds, of, thousands of, thousands of, thousands. hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so that was my first job at campaign monitor was coming on and figuring out how to, um, make that work, make it profitable, bring on the right team to manage that. Um, I then moved into organic marketing at Campaign Monitor, which was really fun because that came, that really became about how we built the right free tools to help our audience, um, which was a really fun phase. So we developed a lot of really cool, like we developed like this email marketing grader. We worked a lot on this thing called the template builder. Um, Just a lot of like cool free tools to help marketers do their job better. And then like Andrea said, Um, Well, I guess also from there, I moved from organic marketing into owning our self-service business. So with that, there were all of these different tactics. And I think that's probably the stage at which community first came into focus when we're talking about this self-service business and um, trying to get people in the door and make them feel good and make them find value, not only in product, but in what the company stands for right away. Um, because that's one of your like really biggest levers and tools for a self-service business, right? It's like providing value. And we did that a lot through free tools, making the experience really seamless and clean, and then making sure that we're providing like the support and community community that they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. So kind of owned that from top to bottom at Campaign Monitor. And then like Andrea said, um, we decided at one point that, you know, Campaign Monitor was growing. It kind of changed into a different environment. We were going through a lot of mergers and acquisitions. And so then Andrea and I, like she said, founded Interimly. Um, And though we focused, I'd say, primarily on demand gen services, there started becoming this overlap during that time, which we saw in almost every company that we worked for, that things like evangelism and the way that you're reaching out to your customers on social and the communities that you were building and like Slack communities started popping up and, Mm -hmm. you know, newsletters became bigger and more meaningful. And we started seeing this at all of these early stage companies. Um, So that's, I think, where we really started digging, digging into community. And now with Harlow, Um, community is like at the core of what we're doing because we've seen all of these other businesses grow through community and make such meaningful connections there.
0: Yeah. I love that. And um, so walk us through what community looks like at Harlow. What do you guys explain what you're doing, like the different channels and
1: ways in which you're building that community? Yeah. So It's interesting when we think about community at Harlow, because I I know that I just kind of talked about it as like a tactic, but really Andrea and I see it as the core of what we're building. Mm -hmm. So we're we're building Harlow and Harlow is a product to help freelancers manage their business. But like the the idea behind Harlow and what we're really trying to accomplish is to help freelancers from A to Z. Right. So, not only help them manage their business, but help them grow their business and create a sustainable long term business. And so, that takes more than just product, that takes more than just a place for you to manage your tasks and your clients and send invoices and proposals. It really takes having the resources that you need to be successful, getting connected to the right people, learning how to find jobs, learning how to sell your value, do all of these things. Right. It's much broader. And so, you know, when Andrea and I first started ideating on Harlow two years ago, almost, which is crazy to say, um, you know, we knew that community was going to be at the core of truly helping freelancers. And so that's what we're doing. I would say up until today, our community approach has been really focused on the content that we're creating, mm-hmm. making sure that it is extremely helpful. Every piece of content kind of has to pass the sniff test of like, can a freelancer look at this, read this, and actually garner some insights and does it help make them better at their job? Um, A lot on social. We do a lot of advocating for other freelancers, magnifying their voices, sharing those resources. Um, And we actually just developed our Slack community a few months ago, which is really great. We do kind of these monthly office hours where we um, bring freelance guests in and help them speak on a topic that's important to them and also important to our community We do a lot of community through our newsletter. Um, We have a number of channels now that we're kind of spreading that message and really trying to help freelancers. Um, And actually, um, a little little teaser for where we're heading, we actually have a plan to build community into product and really expand upon all of this. And Andrea, I'll let you chime in there. That was a (laughs) long-winded answer on my part.
2: (laughs) No, I think it's a good overview of kind of where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go back to one of your earlier points of when we were when we were really thinking about how to build the company, and thinking about how we're going to grow the company. <clears throat> and I think, you know, marketing and the technology landscape have all changed drastically in the last 20 years. Like there's a very low barrier to entry for a lot of tech products today, which makes it an incredibly crowded market, which means the old tactics of dumping money into paid SEM ads or just writing a couple of pieces of content don't work anymore because those channels are very saturated. And I think historically CMOs and CEOs didn't want to invest in community because it's one of those things that's like impossible to measure. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a lot of resources, a lot of energy, and commitment because it is it it has to be authentic. People know when it's not, Um, and so it really has to be part of your your core DNA. And um, and so I think that's why a lot of organizations. Organizations historically have shied away from investing in community, but it's also why we think it's actually so important right now, especially just after our years of experience and seeing seeing how people have successfully built companies with true like brand ambassadors and the, this like affinity towards your brand and what you're doing. That's that's what we want with Harlow.
0: Yeah, and I feel like you're starting to develop that. Sorry, Samantha, I didn't mean to jump in before you. Uh, But following Harlow and having been a part of what you do, I I know I've seen that that community is translating to people really speaking up about Harlow and wanting to share about what's happening there, both in the community and the product itself. And Mm -hmm. I think that's probably, though hard to track, one of the greatest benefits of developing community. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It makes your product so much better. You yeah. are deeply in tune with your customer mm-hmm. and you get that feedback directly rather than having to, you know, go to a research firm and have them go talk to your customers for mm-hmm. you.
1: Um, it's it's super yeah. easy. It's It's been such a cool thing to see. You know, we, Andrew and I obviously track and listen to what people are saying about Harlow and where, and every time somebody posts something about loving Harlow, and sometimes it's people that we have never talked to before personally. We have never touched base with, and they just feel compelled to share because they felt like Harlow has helped them in some way, which is so mm-hmm. cool. And, you know, I think one of the reasons for that is when Andrea and I first went into community, like first started building this community for Harlow, one of the things that we said was, okay, we're approaching this with a, you have to give in order to get approach. And we took that very seriously. So when we start first started building community, We were not asking anyone for anything other than like, hey, if you have feedback on the product, let us know, which I think is kind of a, it's mutually beneficial, right? Hey, if you (laughs) want to make the product, let us know. We'll put it on the backlog. We'll build it for you. But we really were like, we're just going to magnify people's voices. We're going to advocate for them. We're going to share their stories, you know, do all of these things. And it's really, really beautiful, the connections that we've made Because of that, because like community is really to me all about making people feel good, Mm -hmm. feel seen, feel heard, and helping them be better. And it's not necessarily, you know, it's not all this like tactical advice and do this and how to's. A lot of it's empathy, Mm -hmm. right? It's building community through empathy and making sure that your audience knows that you get them.
2: Yeah. And I feel like this community feels underserved right because yes. freelancing is very lonely it, it can be a very lonely profession and i feel like for a lot of um like wellness brands also and mental health brands it's kind of the same thing right when you're struggling mm-hmm. you feel you feel alone and you really just want to feel seen
0: yeah agreed and i love i want to talk about the ways that you do this so in your newsletter you feature a freelancer, correct? And -hmm. then you have your Q&A blog posts where you're featuring freelancers. And I think there's also something to be said for that in terms of like, it's not just your voice, it's it's actual voices of people. And not that you don't speak their language because you do, Mm -hmm. you've been freelancers, you've done that yourself. But to have someone else speaking and sharing their experience, I think adds that element of connection to the community outside of just connection with you two as co-founders, of but as we are a community of people that are just like you.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, it's an interesting thing about freelancing. And I think this actually applies to a lot of different markets too, but there are a lot of different ways to do freelancing. Mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of different ways to build your business and freelancing. There are a lot of different ways in which people work. There's a lot of different ways in which people plan. And so, you know, Andrea and I might've freelanced in a specific way. We ran our business a specific way. Certain things were important to us, but our story does not apply to everyone and not everyone resonates with that story. And so from the very beginning, I love that you mentioned that we're bringing in other people's voices because I think that's so important, you know, me and adrian shears we run our business businesses differently we think about taking vacation differently so we pull her into an ama and have her tell her story and how she preps and plans and how she thinks about her business right we think about like matthew fenton he's been a coach for 20 years now he's dealt with a ton of different freelancers running their businesses in a ton of different ways so pulling him in and having him tell his story mm-hmm. is so beautiful and i think you know it's it's a little bit of an ego check when you start building a business, is that you don't know everything. Yeah. You, cannot, you cannot resonate with everybody in your audience. You have to let go of some of your beliefs and your ideas and say, I'm, I'm not the answer. My experience is not the answer. Andrea's experience is not the answer, but our collective community experience, that's the answer.
0: Yeah, completely agreed. And Something I want to bring up too that I've been thinking about is this is so much more than, I think we sort of alluded to this before, like this idea of phoning it in, you know, like really committing to community. But a piece of that that we haven't talked about is how, like Samantha, I know you specifically because I see your stuff all the time on LinkedIn, like you're really walking the walk in terms of like putting... I don't even want to say content. It's just like sharing your thoughts, sharing your experiences, shouting people out like on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I think that's something that a lot of companies are missing is their founders and CEOs. Like, sure, the company has a community and their marketing director manages it, but that doesn't like go up to the top of the company, sort of just like, is this thing here? You guys can't see my hands, but I'm like almost like a box (laughs) here. And then like this founder and CEO is out here. Versus like really walking the walk and talking the talk around being involved in your community and being bringing your voice to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that Andrea and I talked about a lot up front, especially when we were talking about how to prioritize our time. Mm-hmm. Because you know there there are a thousand different things that Andrea and I could be spending our time on as founders, right? There's a never ending list of things, but mm-hmm. from the very beginning we decided that it was very, very important for me to share my story and to connect with our audience and to build these relationships and to not only build Harlow's network and community, but my personal network and community. And even before we built Harlow, Andrea and I have always actually been strong believers in evangelism, kind of from a tops down approach. But if you are, if you are a company and you are speaking a message and you really believe in that, everybody better be on board right like if you're if you're the leader in the company and you want everyone to feel this you want everyone to really believe that you are about empathy and you are about community and you are about being vulnerable and sharing your story you better be doing it right yeah. that's like that's a big big piece to making it believable and making it feel real and it is real you know yeah, it has to be real <laughs> it has to be real and i'm constantly sharing things that are i think very vulnerable
0: Mm-hmm. to me
1: that I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, well, we'll, we'll see how this goes over. I'm just going to put this out here. Cause that's how I'm feeling today. And there's always somebody that's feeling that same way. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, it, I think it's actually really cool. Cause Andrew and I used to preach this to some of our um, demand gen clients. We're like, Hey, again, you need to be like involved with your community. You need to be talking to talk. You need to be walking the walk. And I've actually seen a lot of those people also step out and branch out mm-hmm. and start sharing their message and really getting on board. And I love to see it. I love, I just, we we love to see when founders or CEOs or just leaders in general match the message of the company because then you can really tell that the company is rooted in authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's what we that's what we want Harlow to be. We want it to feel and be very authentic.
0: Yeah, and I think it also just adds that element of like approachability. You know, like I feel like so many people, especially on social media, like, like these female founders that have like this massive social media following and like, they don't respond to comments. They don't respond mm-hmm. to DMs. And it's just very much like, I'm up here. I, you know, I'm too good for you. And that sucks. Like, I feel like that's a shitty way to be the face of a brand or to run a brand. Yeah. And And I think you're going to get more people interested in what you have to offer when you're out there putting yourself out there, you know, just
1: as much as the company is being put out there. Basically, totally. You you can never get if if you're truly building community and an authentic approach to that, you can never get to the point where you're like too good for your community or your user or your buyer or your prospect. You know, whatever you want to call this, just the human on the other side. You are not too good for them. You share the same experiences you've been where they've been and you need to make sure that like you keep that in mind because I, I agree. I see a lot of people that build up their following, they get really big and now they're just like, they're just giving advice without really like having conversations. Right. It's more like it feels a lot less personal and less authentic. I mean, it's still, it's still them sharing their story, which is cool. I think we all need to share stories in different ways, but it really, you know, it's more about like, if we're talking about social and specific, like it really is about what happens in the comments, right. Or what happens in the DMS, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of like the best relationships are built. And when people really start to, you know, get that, we, we keep saying affinity. We actually, <laughs> we heard this from, uh, Jay Acunzo. Am I saying his last name, right? Acunzo? I think so. I think so too. <laughs> so we had, a, we had a conversation with Jay a couple of weeks ago and we were actually talking a lot about brand affinity and like actually spending the time to get people to truly love your brand. And it really is those small conversations. It's those side conversations. It's the DMs, it's the comments, it's responding to things, it's telling people that you care. That's brand affinity. Like, you know, right, having, a, having a big, yeah. Exactly have, having that big following and just posting, that's brand awareness. Right. That's not brand affinity. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's very like when it gets to that point, it's very I, me, mean my, you know, this is my yes. story, this is my experience, this is what I've been through versus what are you experiencing? How do you relate to this? How can we connect on this experience? I love that. Absolutely. I love, love, love the differentiation there between brand affinity and brand awareness. Makes so much sense. And is, I think, a really yes. powerful differentiation to make in a space like similar to freelance or tech, like mental wellness is such a crowded space. There are so many different types of companies and brands offering very similar things. And one of the ways I always say you can stand out is with high quality niche content that genuinely like speaks directly to your specific audience. But I think this is another piece of this, this, this idea of community and developing that brand affinity, that emotional connection with your audience, because there's for you, there's another ten other companies that aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. So if you can do that in commitment. Totally. To that's going to benefit you. Totally. So speaking of benefit, you, I want to hear. We talk about how this is very not quantifiable <laughs> um, in terms of measuring, you know, ROI and what we're getting out of it for the business. But if you could put some sort of measure around how this has benefited. Benefited Harlow, Um, talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, we have I think twelve, roughly twelve thousand people in our community today. Right, this is just you know across Slack and all of our social channels. I think our reach is around two hundred thousand a month, and for a new brand. I think that's think? I think that's pretty good. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we are in terms of like quantifying it today. We can see we can just see the our reach. Um mm-hmm. we can we can also see it. This is very unscientific, mm-hmm. but in the comments that we get mm-hmm. on social media in I can see it in our support tickets, you know, that's something we haven't talked about, but that's another place where you're building community is oh. with your support team. Mm-hmm, um, right. And I am not super active on, I have social media anxiety, so I'm not <laughs> very active on social media like Samantha's, but I'm, I run our support and that's where I deeply engage with our community there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's some of the anecdotal um, elements I think are really key to keep in mind, and for a larger company, for those people that are monitoring this, to really raise that stuff up, so that your, you know, managers and leaders of the company can see what's happening on social media.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will, you know, even to add to that, and this isn't quite quantifiable, but the amount of introductions that we get and people that come to us, Jay, for example, I mentioned him earlier. We met with him a couple of weeks ago, and. He literally came to us because he's like, I posted a question on social media and all these people started chiming in talking about Harlow. And I had never heard of you guys before, but 10 different people came in and said, Harlow here, Harlow this, Samantha, Andrea, Harlow. And so like it opened up a conversation with him where we got to connect and have a really meaningful conversation. You know, it's opened up intros to podcasts for Mm -hmm. us to be on. It's opened up intros to investors. It's opened Mm -hmm. up, opened up all of these different doors to us. And, you know, someone will be like, Oh I saw you on Twitter and I saw this really cool thread and you were responding to a bunch of people or I was talking to this person and they said that you actually respond very quickly to your customers when they have requests and so I decided to come over here and try it out cuz that's important to me you know so it's all of these it's all of these like one off things whether it's an intro or whether somebody heard about us from somebody or whether somebody's just having a conversation and mentioning us right like all of those they're really hard to put into a KPI sheet
0: Right. right. yes it's like <laughs> we it's try. Like, yeah. We're like, how
1: many intros did we get this month? Because we are, you know, nurturing our yeah. community. You know, it doesn't it doesn't quite work like that. But we have to keep reminding ourselves like mm-hmm. this is because of our approach to community. If we took that out, like we wouldn't be here.
2: No, right. it just wouldn't be fun either. I mean, that's not totally what we're building.
1: Yeah. Yes. You know. What is your,
0: yeah. I imagine your email, because your newsletter is a big piece of your community. Do you guys see pretty good open rates and, and click-through rates?
2: Yeah, at least like 50%, yeah. 50% open rates, depending on the email. Mm-hmm. Um, usually our click-through rates are like 10 to 15,
1: I think, which is pretty high. That's huge. Yeah.
0: <laughs> in any yeah. industry, that's significant.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes, you know, every once in a while, we'll send out a newsletter that just... Is all about like connecting with you in that space, in the inbox. Like we, cause that, that's another interesting thing, right? Like as marketers, we think a lot about metrics. We think a lot about like open rates and how many people we can drive to the site. But like, again, the real trick is like connecting with people mm-hmm. and making them feel seen and heard. And even if they're not clicking from the newsletter, because maybe that's not the intention of that newsletter. Maybe right. that newsletter is just about building connection. They're going to click on the next thing or they're going to respond to you on social or they're going to visit the site on their own, right? So it's, I think Andrew and I try not to get caught up in like the exact KPIs. And I used to do this a lot in my career, you know? I used Same to be like, well, how do we just improve click-through rate? We're going to add more links. And it's like, right, no, that's not how you, that's not how you build that relationship and actually add value. So we we constantly think about how we add value and then long-term that value add improves your metrics. Yeah, right?
2: I think you just it's have correlation. to have, yeah, and you have to have some faith, you know, our traditional marketing funnel doesn't really work in this space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for our business, you know, it works a little bit better and more like enterprise B2B SaaS. <laughs> but mm-hmm. for us, it is really just this series of touches. And mm-hmm. so we, it is a little bit of faith for us that this is, this is all part of the process of, um, you know, building this connection and eventually this is going to result in, in people becoming customers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think looking at that relationship in the way that that impacts all different areas, like what came to mind when you guys were talking about email and sort of like focusing maybe connection versus clicks and mm-hmm. how that will get people to maybe open emails later. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast episode, this past summer by uh, called the membership geeks. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: these two guys, the founders of the email marketing heroes, um, they have like a huge membership community and podcasts. And they were talking about how people don't open an email because of the subject line. They open it because of who it's from. And it's like, it doesn't matter what the subject line is. If it's your best friend, you're opening the email. Mm -hmm. right? So it's less like, I think we focus so much on that piece. Whereas like they were saying, like, they actually send emails seven days a week, and they're not necessarily sales emails, they're, their format is story lesson offer. Um, mm-hmm. and they're often short. And like people, like they were saying they told a story about one of them buying a mattress, and they got like 30 responses of people being <laughs> like, Oh, you know, and they're like, But people open our emails because we've Sorry. developed that connection with our community that we're just another friend, and so they're gonna open every email we send them. And that's yes. where, like, like we were saying, um, you know, doing the work now is building dividends down the line, and is building that long term, yeah, longevity.
2: But to your point, totally. it works because it's it's a two way. Mm -hmm. relationship. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think brands get into trouble. And what you see with some of those influencers or founders that have built these huge, you know, followings is that then it becomes one way. It becomes them just talking and like your email can become a one way, like, I'm just going to send you all of the content I created this month because I have to distribute content (laughs) versus you know what? We're not going to promote that piece of content for three weeks because it's actually not relevant right now. Today, we're going to focus on these topics
1: because that's what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think timeliness mm-hmm. and being aware of like what's relevant to your audience at the time is so important, right? It's not like your your content calendar and distribution calendar and what you're connected with people about, you know, can't really be planned out like six to nine months in advance in this ever-changing landscape, right? Like you can sense with your community when people are feeling down, when people are feeling up, like what's going on, what, you know, macro or micro economic factors are impacting them. And it's so important to leave space to connect on the things that are happening at the moment. And Andrea, I I love that you... I love that you said that because we, we do that all the time, right? We'll push out a piece of content and we'll be like, oh my God, we actually never promoted that, but because it just didn't feel timely right. in the moment, right? Even if we had like created it two months ago, thinking it was timely, maybe it's not timely now, but it'll be timely again, right? Yeah. And so we'll, we'll promote it at that moment when it feels really relevant and meaningful to our audience. Yeah. And I know that, that's a hard thing to do, especially as you're like growing yeah. marketing teams and really want to prep and plan, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's just important to leave space for real connection Mm -hmm. and relevance. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I love that suggestion. And I'm wondering if you have like maybe one or two like tips or ideas for marketers that are listening to this, wondering like, how can we develop more of that community within our brand? What are maybe one or two things you might share for them to think about, look at, consider?
1: Well, I think if you're developing community from scratch, Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing to consider is to just go through and ask your community, how can I help you and what do you need? Mm -hmm. And then really take that into account, like listen to what they're telling you that they need and want. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how you kind of can decide what to create or how to format what they need or where to meet them Mm -hmm. with what they need. Um, So I think that's a big one. Yeah, to think
2: well, just kind of coming back to that idea of like you have to give to get. You really, you really just have to go into it with a kind of a services mindset of I am mm-hmm. going to be of service to my community.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know another thing to keep in mind w- when you start building community, it is not overnight. Oh my gosh, no. uh, <laughs> it takes it takes a very very long time, and at first. You are not going to feel like it's working, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at some point it is going to click if you're doing it in an authentic way. So you have to show up and you have to be consistent for your community, no matter how small or large it is. Mm -hmm. And that is very important is consistency list, like truly listening to what they need and want. And then to Andrea's point, like being, being in a position where you are just, giving them what they need, you are, you know, you're in service to your community. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And it really takes sometimes, especially for founders, I think putting your egos aside a little bit and Mm -hmm. not taking it personally. Like you need this feedback early on, even if it's bad feedback, that's, that's kind of great. It's a blessing. Right. Somebody's giving you the time to give you feedback. That that is a gift.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Amazing ladies. I love all of this so much. I feel like I just thought of like three more podcasts topics <laughs> time of this conversation. So that's amazing. Um, tell listeners where they can connect with you and can connect with Harlow outside of the podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Harlow website is meetharlow.com. We are also at meetharlow across Instagram, across, across Twitter, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, um, we're kind of we're on all the places on social. If you go to the website, you can also subscribe for our newsletter there. Um, It'll be right in the footer, super easy to find. Um, And if you want to connect with me, I'm also super active on social. You know, both myself and Harlow, we're constantly talking about, you know, freelancing, about finding balance, sharing vulnerable things, kind of magnifying our audience. Um, I'm just at Samantha Andrel, first and last name, um, across all of those same platforms. And I am not
2: as exciting as Samantha on social media, <laughs> but you can find me at the littlest flea on Twitter.
0: You can submit a support <laughs> ticket and then yeah, yes. exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly do that way. I'll respond within 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thank I you again it. so much, ladies, for being our first guests on this on this new podcast and sharing everything with us. I and our listeners appreciate you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having having us. us.
0: Yeah. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on another episode of Thrive Through Marketing.